Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor at Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad you made it today uh, for the second installment of our series, Overlooked. Um, And by the way, did anybody panic when you saw that there's only 16 days left for Christmas? I mean, holy cow, is it coming up there fast? Um, Now listen, Amy and I, we have more than 15 nativity sets around our house. And every time I go and look at one of these sets, I never think about what it took for Mary and Joseph to arrive at that manger scene. But I promise you, after today, I'll never forget what it took. Because it was a long, hard journey for them. And honestly, it is one of the most overlooked parts of the Christmas story. I'll tell you, there's a great lesson there. So go ahead and pull out your worship guide if you haven't done so already. And let's go ahead and let's read the story found in Luke Chapter 2, the first seven verses, okay? Here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also, and I want you to underline, the re- underline this, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem. I mean, to, to Bethlehem. The town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we usually get so focused on the manger and on the inn that we just, you know, go right, just blow right past verse number four, okay? We overlook the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and what they had to go through to make that journey. But let me ask you this. Why was that journey to Bethlehem so tough for Mary and Joseph? Let me tell you four reasons why that, verse, why that journey was so difficult. Here's the first. The journey from Nazareth in the north... To Bethlehem in the south was about 80 miles on a donkey while Mary was nine months pregnant. Okay? Now, ladies, let me ask you this. Do you think your OB would have let you take an 80-mile donkey ride when you were pregnant, nine months pregnant? Would you have wanted to take a 90, an 80-mile donkey ride when you were nine months pregnant? No. I mean, that would be like going from here almost to Bucky's on a donkey, okay? I mean, by the, way, by the time you got there, you don't want any beaver nuggets, okay? But you will be thankful for the clean restrooms, okay? That's the deal, all right? So it's hard. It's a hard journey, okay? Here's the second reason why it was hard. Because it's because they went to pay taxes. They went... To pay taxes. 
Uh, they were going on their journey to register for the census, but the purpose of the census was to count the population so that they could be taxed. Now, we don't know this for sure, but it's very likely that Mary and Joseph would have had to pay their tax when they arrived at Bethlehem. Okay? So, uh, you know, they would have had to uh, scrape together all of their money. And we know that they were extremely poor. So that would have been so difficult for them to scrape up all this money and then go to Bethlehem. So here's the deal. It was an 80-mile donkey ride, nine months pregnant, to pay taxes. Now, guys, let me tell you this. There is no weekend getaway that you can plan that's worse than that, all right? So no matter whatever happens, you're off the hook, okay? It never gets worse than this. The third thing that happened is, is that there was a danger of being robbed. There's a danger of being robbed. Look, I mean, this journey probably took them at least a week. So for about a week, they're camping out every single night. And honestly, they probably have all their money with them to pay taxes. And since everybody in the whole country was having to travel back to their hometown, don't you think that there was an inordinate amount of robbers out stealing from people because they knew that th- these travelers had money with them? Yeah, you betcha. I mean, so this trip is filled with anxiety for them. Anxiety because, I mean, this baby could come at any moment. Anxiety because they also might get robbed and lose everything. Fourth, it's your next bullet. The journey was a financial burden. This journey was an enormous financial burden. I mean, to get there, to have a baby, and to get back. I mean, I don't know how tough Mary was, but this was going to take several weeks, okay? And for people that were this poor, even taking one day off of work would have been financially burdensome. But they were going to have to take several weeks and close down the carpentry shop. And so Mary and Joseph would have no money coming in, but they would still have all of the same expenses. And then we get to the end of this journey. I mean, then they got to pay their taxes. I mean, so this, this journey was a huge financial burden because of all the lost income and the huge amount of taxes they were going to have to pay. And so here they are, an 80-mile donkey ride, nine months pregnant, hoping not to get robbed, losing weeks of income, and then having to pay taxes. That's the journey they were on. But in the end, Jesus, the light of the world, the Son of God, the Savior of all mankind, was born. And so God took a journey, honestly, that was all bad, and turned it into something good. God took a journey that was all bad and turned it into something great. I mean, you know, and as I read the story and I think about this, I mean, I think about us. You ever feel like you're on, you know, part of life's journey? I mean, it's all bad. I mean, you ever felt like that? Uh, That the the, the situation is bad, that the more we think about it, I mean, the worse it seems to get, you know, kind of like with, you know, Mary and Joseph. You know, I mean, perhaps it's, it's a financial crisis or, you know, perhaps a loved one becomes ill or, you know, there's a car accident or an unexpected job loss, or maybe it's a rebellious teenager who just simply won't listen to you, or, you know, or worse, 
you know, maybe the Cowboys make the playoffs, you know? I, I mean, when things go from bad to worse, what do you do? Seriously, when things go from bad to worse, what do you do? Usually what happens is we make rash decisions, and whenever we make rash decisions, that usually le- that's usually the part of it that we regret, and we take a bad situation and make it even worse, right? So what does God say but we, when we find ourselves in a difficult circumstance, when we're on the part of life's journey that's really hard, like Mary and Joseph, what does God want us to do? How does he want us to respond? Well, our Heavenly Father is so amazing that he can take something bad and he can turn it into something good. Just like Mary and Joseph, he can take that seemingly bad part of life's journey And he could turn it into something great. If we will do it his way. So, what does God say? How can I turn bad into good? Well, there's two ways we're going to talk about this morning. And here's the first. I need to pray for God to turn the bad into good. I need to pray for God to turn the bad into good. You see, just because you go through something hard or it causes anxiety or it's costly doesn't mean it's not God's will. You ever been involved in something and you thought, oh man, this is going to be amazing. This is awesome. And then the deeper you get into it, it becomes like a total nightmare. I mean, has that ever happened to you? I mean, it's happened to me. And so in, in, that, in that moment, we conclude, well, I mean, this must certainly not have been God's will. And so, you know, you bail out of it as quickly as you can. That's not necessarily true. Just because something is hard or easy or not easy or it's costly doesn't mean that it's not God's will. You know, sometimes you miss out on God's will in your life because you expect everything that's God's will to be easy. The journey for Mary and Joseph was not easy, but it was definitely part of God's will, right? It was definitely part of God's plan for them. So sometimes it is God's will for you and I to go through a challenging season in life or a difficult or challenging road in life it's part of his god's will but look what god says in romans chapter 8 verse 28 check it out and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose now look i'm not saying that every hard circumstance you ever go through is god's will okay sometimes honestly it's just a consequence of our own sinful choices but even if it is a result of our own bad choices, God says he can take what's bad and he can make it good. But the one thing you and I do have to do is we have to pray. We've got to pray about it. I mean, look, here's the deal. You don't always know, you know, why bad things happen. And people have been debating the question of, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? People have been debating that for centuries. And so whether it's a result of, something that God has allowed to happen or it's a result of your own sinful choices or it's a result of just living in a fallen world and we happen to be the innocent victim in the circumstance. Regardless, our response is the same. We pray. We pray and say, God, would you take what is bad and turn it into something good? That's what he wants us to do. Look, that's why Romans 8, 28 was written. I mean, the people 
in that daytime, they were going through some extremely hard times. And so Paul reminds me, he's like, hey, look, look, don't forget, God is powerful. He's so amazing that he can take any circumstance, good or bad, in all things, he works for the good of those who love him. That's what he's saying. So let me ask this. Would you make a commitment to ask the Lord, to pray to the Lord and ask him to take your bad situations, your bad circumstances, and turn them into something good? That when you're on a difficult part of life, a journey in life, just like Mary and Joseph were, would you ask God to turn it into something good? That's what he does. So would you make that kind of a commitment? Now that's the first lesson. Now here's the second. Number two is this. I need to do good whenever I can. I need to do good whenever I can. Now, at first you might think, well, how can me doing something good for someone else change my bad circumstances? All right? Well, Paul makes a very interesting case um, to the folks at the church in Corinth that they should help the poor and the persecuted Christians back in Jerusalem. And to make his point, Paul hearkens back to a lesson from the Old Testament when the people were collecting manna in the desert. Now, let me give you a little background in case you're not familiar with that part of the Old Testament. The entire nation of Israel has escaped Egypt after God sent 10 plagues and Pharaoh decided to let the people go. Well, but now you've got more than a million people traveling through the desert. How are you going to feed all these people? Well, God's plan was to feed them by using manna. Now, manna was um, little wafers, kind of like bread-like wafers, that would appear on the ground in the morning that the people would gather, and that would be their food for the day. Now, there were some rules about gathering manna. The first, you probably already know, and that was you could only gather enough manna for that day. If you gathered more and you tried to save it, it would rot and it would spoil. But there was also a second rule for gathering manna, and that was this, that those who, were, who had the ability to gather more because maybe they were young or maybe they were stronger, that they were to gather more. But those who were to gather, who could only gather less because maybe they were old or they were crippled or they were feeble or they were ill, then they would gather less. But here's the deal. At the end of the gathering time in the morning, everybody from their own family would gather back at their family tent and they would divide up whatever had been gathered. And so those who had gathered more would bring more to the tent. Those who could gather less, gather less of the tent, brought less of the tent. But they split it all up so that everybody had enough. And so here's the lesson. Those who had the ability to gather more were supposed to share with those who had the ability to gather less. That's what he's getting at here. And so... Paul is telling the people in Corinth, he's saying, hey, look, you have the ability to gather more. You have the ability to make more money 
than your brothers and sisters who are being heavily persecuted back in Jerusalem. These people are destitute. And so because you have that ability to gather more, just like they did in the Old Testament with manna, you should share what you have with those who have the ability to gather less. And when you do, God says that whenever you have a need in the future, someone else will return the favor. Look what the Bible says. Look what Paul says. I love this. Um, and it's all found in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul says, he says, I don't mean that others should have relief while you have hardship. Rather, it, it's a matter of striking a balance. At the present time, your surplus fills their need so that their surplus may fill your need. In this way, things balance out. This is what scripture says, and this is going back to the Old Testament in Exodus 16. Those who had gathered a lot didn't have too much, and those who gathered a little didn't have too little. Why? Because those that could gather more shared with those who couldn't gather as much. That's what he's saying. And so, look, during this Christmas season, you and I have the perfect opportunity to do some good to help those who can only gather a little in life. We have a chance to help people that are on a difficult part of their journey. Just like Mary and Joseph were on a difficult part of their journey. We have a chance to help them. And I can think of four things that we can do to do good this Christmas. Let me give them to you. The first is this. Sponsor a child through World Vision. Sponsor a child through World Vision. Our church sponsors two villages. There's one in Guatemala and one in Tanzania. Um, And these are extremely poor areas. And sponsoring a child for $35 a month will allow that child to have um, a clean set of clothes, nutritious food, an education, and preventive medical care. In addition to that, World Vision will be working in that community to make that whole village a healthier, safer place for everybody to live. Now, um, earlier this year, our church, um, the people in our church sponsored 300 children in these two villages. 300 children. And we're in the process of planning a trip to, uh, in 2013 to go to Guatemala and a trip in 2014 to go to Tanzania. And we, if you go on one of those trips and you sponsor a child, you can visit your sponsored child. How cool is that? I mean, that's, that's to be a, a, an amazing and neat thing. So now here's the deal. Because our church has already sponsored so many of these kids, um, we obviously have you know, more kids in that village than anybody else. And World Vision has said that there's still more kids in each of these villages to be sponsored. Now, Amy and I, we already sponsored two kids, but this Christmas, we're going to sponsor two more. And I want to encourage you. If you weren't here when we did that whole World Vision thing or... Um, maybe you just hadn't been a part of Parkway Fellowship at that time. I want to encourage you, today, sponsor a child from one of these two villages. Outside in the foyer, when you leave today, there are um, kids from these two villages, and you can sponsor one. You can sign up today, out in the foyer, to sponsor one of these kids. And if you already have one, you know, chances are you haven't been missing that $35 in your budget. Think about sponsoring a second child. It'll give you a chance to do something good for someone in the world who doesn't have the capacity to gather much. Second thing you can do is this. Send your World Vision child 
a Christmas present and letter. Send your World Vision sponsor child a Christmas present and letter. I mean, honestly, I didn't even know we could do this. But World Vision, right from their website, will allow you to send a Christmas present to your sponsored child. So let's just say that you wanted to send your sponsored child $100, okay, this Christmas. Here's how it goes. Um, The World Vision worker for that area is notified of your gift, then that World Vision worker goes to that family and, uh, and tells them that you have given a gift for them and give, tells them the amount and then sits down with that family and decides with that family what the best way to spend that money would be. You know, maybe they need a front door. Maybe they need to have the roof repaired. Maybe they need a stove. Maybe they need a cow. You know, whatever it is, then once they decide, then the World Vision worker goes with them to purchase that item, takes a picture of the family with that item, and sends you the picture. How cool is that? I mean, you can make a huge difference by sending a Christmas present to your sponsored child. And you certainly ought to send your sponsored child a Christmas card or a letter and include a picture with your family in there. Now, be sensitive. Don't take a picture of your family with, like, you guys, like, at Disney World, you know, or by the pool in the backyard. You know, be sensitive. But you ought to send them a picture of your family and, and write them a Christmas note on a card. And you can do that. Third thing that we can do to do some good in the world is this. I can support a Love 146 round home through our Christmas offering. We talked last week about Love 146 and how that organization rescues little girls from human trafficking. Um, and... If you weren't here, honestly, you need to get the podcast from last week, and you need to hear it. I'm telling you, this organization is unbelievable. But one thing that Love 146 does is when they rescue these little girls, then they take them to a safe house called a round home, okay? And it looks exactly like, looks like this. It literally is a round home, and they make it a round home because they want to communicate to the girls that there are no sharp edges. There are no corners where they need to hide. And each of the bedrooms open up into a middle common area so that they can begin to function like a real family. I mean, it is an amazing thing they do. Let me show you um, a quick video about the round home, and then I'll come back and say a few more things. Children should be cared for. They should be in a family where they are loved. But that is not what's happening to millions of children around the world. They come into the round home in all sorts of uh, conditions. One girl was trying to commit suicide all the time. Our backs were turned. Kaya yun, hindi ko po matiis yung nasa loob ako ng bahay, kaya po nagpag-isipan kong maglasnas. We aim to restore them, to bring back what has been lost as much as possible. Opo, nung napasok na po ako sa center, they have to just be so gentle from the moment they arrive to understand the girls and watch them come through this process. The love they receive is really what heals them. Treating them like a human being again, instead of a commodity to be bought and sold. It is about life. They give life back to these girls. So how long should the process take? Until they've got their life back. That's what they're about. And every time I come in, the kids are happy, jumping, playing sports, uh, visibly healed. Their life before were far from being peaceful. 
So we'd like them to feel peace. What a terrible state they were, and how Love 146 has helped to, to save them. What's the most powerful force on the planet? Um, I think Love is. And it's called Love 146 for that reason. Isn't that amazing what that organization does and how they help these little girls? Now, the goal of our Christmas offering is $75,000. Um, now, last weekend in the service, we took in $3,476. Now, it was just in the service, and we don't know how much uh, yet has come in online or through the mail. Um, so if you haven't given to the Christmas offering yet, give. Your money could not go to do something better in this world, to do more good in this world to someone who has been on the hardest part of a journey in life that you could ever imagine than by helping one of these kids. So give to the Christmas offering this year. Um, and when you do, you literally will change one of these girls' lives literally forever. Now there is a fourth thing that we can do. A fourth thing that we can do um, to do good in this world is this. Invite people to come to Christmas Eve. I need to invite people to Christmas Eve. In your seat are five invite cards to our Christmas Eve services. Uh, you know, it's not just money that people need in this world. What they really need more than anything is Jesus. What they really need more than anything is Christ. And how will they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? Unless someone invites them to a place where they can hear about Christ. At each of our Christmas Eve services... I'm going to talk about what it takes to become a Christ follower. I'm going to tell them exactly what I'm telling you now. That Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. Because see, our sins separate us from God. But Jesus died on a cross so that his death could provide forgiveness for all of those sins. And so that we could have a relationship with God here on this earth. And go to heaven when we die. And all we have to do is ask for it. Now it is a free gift. But we do have to ask for it. And Jesus does ask that from that day forward. That we would follow him. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. You know last week in our service. That we had 17 people. Become Christ followers for the first time last Sunday. How amazing is that? And so I want to encourage you. Use these invite cards. Invite people to come to a place where they can hear about Christ and receive the best gift they ever could at Christmas. Because, look, bottom line is this. Is God first wants you to pray. He first wants you to pray and to ask him to turn what is bad in life into something good. But second... He wants you to do good whenever you can. And look, and God sees the times in your life when you have the capacity to gather more. And not gather more just to hoard it all for yourself. But to use it to do something good. To sponsor a child in the world through world vision that has no capacity to gather for themselves. God sees when you give a Christmas present to your sponsored child or write him a letter. God sees the round home that you help to build 
through our Christmas offering and all the girls that get rescued because of your giving to that Christmas offering through an organization like Love 146. God sees the people that you invite to hear more about his son, Jesus Christ. And when you do good in the world, I promise you, God sees that. And he makes sure that when you need it, someone else returns the favor. That is how we can take the hard part of the journey in life when we find ourselves on that hard part of the journey, just like Mary and Joseph did, that when we get to the end of it, God can turn it into something good, into something great. So here's what I want you to do. Pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And on the card and on the notes, I want you to indicate the next step or steps you want to take today because of how God's inspiring you. You're going to turn the card in. We're going to pray for everybody that turns in a card. But you're going to keep the notes so you can remember what you committed to. So here's the first. When I find myself going through a hard time, I'll pray and ask God to work it out for the good. Would you make a commitment that that's going to be your standard practice? Here's number two. I'll memorize Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Great verse. Every, honestly, everybody should know that. And that was like a cornerstone verse of the Bible. Everybody ought to get that one. Here's the next one. I will sponsor a World Vision child today. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out in the foyer. There's a table out there. And you can uh, choose a child uh, from either Tanzania or Guatemala. There's a form that you need to fill out right there. You cannot just take it and go home. You have to fill it out right there, turn the form in, and then you can take the little portfolio with your sponsor child and picture. Then you can take it home. You've got to fill that stuff out here. So make sure you do that today if you haven't done so already. Next, I will send my World Vision sponsor child a Christmas present or, and or a Christmas card. Would you like to come up and do that? You can do that right online, right on the World Vision website. Man, it's so cool. Uh, I, I really encourage you to do that. Next, I will give to the Christmas offering to rescue and help little girls through Love 146. Would you do that? Would you make a commitment to that? I'm not asking you to commit to an amount. I am asking you to commit to give to it. And you pray and you ask God how much he wants you to give. And you can give online through our website. You can give using that envelope. Just check Christmas offering and put it in the bucket today. Or you can take it home and put it in the mail. We'll get it. All right? Next. I will pass out all five of my invite cards this week. Would you do that? Make a commitment to invite five people to Christmas Eve. It's going to be, it is going to be a great set of services. It's going to be awesome. And there's four of them. They're on the card. You'll see. How about this last one? I prayed the prayer, and that means you prayed the prayer today. I prayed the prayer today to become a Christ follower. And a, if you haven't done so, there's a sample right at the bottom of your message notes on how to become a Christ follower. I'm going to pray that prayer today, or I will pray that prayer you know, later to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. You ready to take that step? If you are, check that box. And pray that prayer during, while Pat and the worship team are singing this song. But I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a little table just before you walk outside of each of these doors. Grab one on your way out today. But check the boxes. I want to send you some free stuff in the mail that will help you get started in that walk with Christ. Let me pray for all of us while Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that sometimes the hard journeys that we're on in life, uh, they are from you. And, and life isn't always supposed to be easy. You don't design it that way. But you do design it to where we trust you every step of the way. And I'm asking that whenever any of us find ourselves on a hard part of the journey, God, that you would walk with us. 
and that you would let something great come as a result of it. We would trust you every step of the way. Lord, I pray for the children in uh, the villages that we sponsor in Guatemala and Tanzania that this would be the best Christmas ever, that children who've never been sponsored would be sponsored and their lives forever changed, that kids receive a Christmas present maybe for the first time in their life because someone in this room cared. And God, that you would rescue so many girls through Love 146 and that you would bring them to a safe place in life and restore them. But more than anything, I ask that you would help those of us in this room who have the capacity to gather more to help those in the world who have the capacity to gather less. And that's been your design from the beginning. And so help the world to be a better place, God, because of it all. In Jesus' name, I ask you to do it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.